Well, Merry Christmas to all of you. It's good to see, yeah, well, Merry Christmas to all of you. <laughs> How are you doing? Everybody doing okay? Awesome. All right. Well, we are, welcome back to our Advent series. We're doing a special series this year on Advent. Uh, you know the ca- candles have a name for each one of those candles that get lit in the Advent wreath. There's the hope candle, the peace candle, the joy candle, the love candle, the Christ candle is the last one. And uh, so Advent traditionally has a little rhythm to it. And so what we're doing in our sermons is we're going through Matthew chapter 1 and 2, but you'll notice that each of the passages is lined up with each of those themes. I think that's where they got the candles from in the first part. So last week was about hope. Today we're going to talk about peace, Uh, peace conceiving, conceiving peace, um, which is a little pun in there if you track with me, conceiving and you get anybody with me? All right. These are little things that make me happy, all right? So, uh, but anyway, but John Cardona did a great job last week, wouldn't you say? Well, let's bang our hands together for him. Yeah, there you are. Thanks, John. When I assigned him the genealogy, his eyes got really big, but he crushed it, didn't he? He just crushed it. It was awesome. It was awesome. And it ended with a little bit of a cliffhanger, and it was easy to miss the cliffhanger, um, but it's there. I don't know if you caught it. There's a cliffhanger at the end of the genealogy. It starts out, if you will remember, in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So this is the genealogy of Jesus, son of David, son of Abraham. And it goes all the way through, and there's 38. This so-and-such is the father of so-and-such. All 38 times. So-and-such is the father of so-and-such is the father of so-and-such is the father of so-and-such is the father of. Until you get down to verse 16, and it says, Jacob, the father of Joseph. That makes sense. The husband, change of word, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So the very end of this genealogy ends in in just this totally weird way. So we got son of, 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 husband of who bore Jesus. In other words, the formula has changed. The line of David runs through the blood of Joseph. He is an heir to the throne, the long lost throne of Israel. But the problem is, Joseph is the husband of Mary, but Jesus is not his child. Okay, so we have a huge problem at the end of the genealogy. Jesus, if he is to be Messiah, if he is to be king, he has to be in the line of David, but he's not. And it starts out, the verse 1 said, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Christ, son of David. How can you say that? How can you say Jesus is son of David when he's not actually even son of Joseph? This is the huge problem that now Matthew is going to tackle, okay? So there's two main things going on in the passage we're going to look at today. One is how do we solve this genealogy problem? The second one is how do we, uh, uh, how on earth are Joseph and Mary going to cope with the massive shift that's happened in their life? Um, Their dreams are unraveling. And we can relate to this a bit because Mary and, listen, Mary and Joseph had dreams of how their lives would go, didn't they? All young people do. They had dreams. They're young. They're in love, right? Mary's thinking, oh, you know, 
I've been a good girl. I finally met the boy of my dreams. You know, he asked me, and I said, yes. Now we're engaged and betrothed, and we're going to be married, and he's going to build us that great house. I mean, we've been looking on Pinterest, and we've got all the ideas, and we're just, you know, and we're going to build it, and it's going to be great, and he's going to come, and we're going to be married, and we're going to have babies, and, you know, the whole community is going to love us, and we, he's going to be a carpenter, and he's going to build us all kinds of cool stuff, and we're going to just, it's, right? There's all these dreams. Joseph has dreams. Joseph's like, man, I finally met the girl of my dreams. We're going we're gonna to fall in love and be in marriage, and it's going to be awesome, and I'm going to get to raise my kids, and it's going to be, and they had dreams, and all of a sudden, shattered. Shattered dreams. So we have two things going on. How do we fix this genealogy problem? And secondly, what on earth is going to happen with all these shattered dreams? And I think we can relate to the shattered dreams part in particular. Because every single one of us grew up dreaming of what life would be like. And despite what Disney told us, (laughs) not all of our dreams come true, do they? And so life in many ways is trying to figure out how do I live with a life that is so very different than the one I dreamed would be? And Joseph and Mary are figuring that out. I think we can learn a lot from watching Joseph in particular because he's the main character in Matthew as he wrestles through and figures this out. Okay? So that's very human, very real. and We're going to learn a lot. This morning. So grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is page 807 in the Black Pew Bible that's in the rack by your knees. And if you didn't bring a Bible this morning, grab that and you can join us on page 807 and take that home with you as our gift. If you don't have a Bible at home, this is our gift to you. Please take it. We'd love for you to have it. I'm going to sort our thoughts into four buckets this morning, okay? Four buckets. We're going to look at conception, intervention, realization, determination, okay? You you with me so far? Conception, intervention, realization, determination. Lots of fancy words, but here we go, all right? Number one, conception, conception. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 19. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I just pause for a moment there. So this is the betrothal period. And and many of you know this, but just to refresh us here, um, betrothal was kind of like engagement. It lasted about a year long. Um, But it was much more solemn, much more committed, much more covenantal than our engagement. So engagement sort of is, well, if you like it, you've got to put a ring on it, right? That's engagement in our culture. This is much more formal. This is legal. This is binding. Uh, You are technically, in the way they talked, husband and wife, although you're not living together. Uh, You're still at your your parents' house. The, The man is going to build a house. Uh, for the new family so that then when they have the wedding, there's a place to move into. There's no sense in building a house if you don't have someone who's going to marry you. So you get the betrothal period set. You're as good as married, legally bound. You wait this year. You build your house. You come together. And then you're really, really married at that point. So this is that period of time, that year of 
betrothal um, in which they're considered husband and wife, and yet they have not actually moved in uh, together. And it is during this betrothal period that Mary becomes pregnant. Luke tells us that Mary got a little bit of a heads up of what's happening. That was nice of God, wasn't it? He sent an angel to say, hey, listen, you're going to become pregnant, right? This is the plan. And this is Luke chapter 1, and in verse 38, Mary says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So she says, okay, okay, I will do this. In Luke's account, we then, we then learn that Mary hightails it out to her relative, Elizabeth, who is also dealing with her own kind of amazing pregnancy, and she's off there for three months, okay? And so what we have here is probably this, this scene now, Matthew's collapsing everything, um, but in terms of the narrative, but we, what we're seeing is Joseph is panicking about the pregnancy. He's probably after those three months. So Mary is like, I don't know how to tell him. I'm going to go talk to Elizabeth, sort things out for a little bit, and then she comes back three months pregnant. We're past the first trimester, and she sits down with Joseph. That's kind of the scene here. And Joseph learns that his betrothed wife has a baby, and he knows it's not his. And um, he takes God's law very seriously. He's a just and upright person. He doesn't want to be tainted by sin um, or betrayed by Mary, but he also doesn't want to dishonor her. And so he decides the best way to handle this is just a quiet, quick divorce, not on the front page of the newspaper, but just quiet court proceeding. Don't have to make a big deal out of it. Now put yourself in their shoes. (laughs) Mary has got to be so scared. Don't you think? So scared. I mean, she's been a good girl. She's been doing the right things. She's just so excited about marriage and falling in love and having a life of her own and a house. And it's going to be like she's got all these dreams. Everything's going well. And then God drops this in her lap. It totally messes her life up, doesn't it? And then Joseph, the man of her dreams, she tries to explain what happened. He doesn't believe her. He doesn't trust her anymore. And he decides he's done. And this whole thing's over. And so here you have Mary who's crying herself to sleep at night. Because her dreams are shattered. Her whole life fell apart. And Joseph, who's got, you know, he's the good guy with all the potential. Everyone said, you know, of all the kids in town, you know, he's faithful. He, he's doing his carpentry work. He's skillful. He's a good catch. You know, he's, got, he's kept his nose clean. He finds the good girl. Everything's awesome for him. And he thought he knew her, but apparently not. And so he feels betrayed and foolish. His heart broken. Nothing in Mary's far-flung story makes sense to him. Everyone's talking about it. Scandal. And so he cries himself to sleep. And they both have tears on their pillows because their dreams are shattered. And here's what I want you to see, first of all, is that God's saving plan begins with a mess. God's saving plan begins with a mess. This is a real mess. This is a scandal. There are broken hearts, broken trust, broken hope, broken dreams. 
And listen, everything God does starts like this. Everything starts like this. He takes chaos and turns it into order. He takes darkness and he speaks light. He takes dust and he makes it into human beings. This is what God does. And when God wants to save the world, he starts with an irretrievable mess, with a breakup beyond hope, with irreconcilable differences. And God looks at that mess and he says, that, that's where I'm going to begin. Right there. And that's good news for all of us, friends. Because we're all a mess, aren't we? Secondly, intervention. Look at this, verse 20 and 21. But as he, Joseph, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I imagine, I don't know this for, for sure, but I imagine Mary and Joseph had a pretty big fight. I, I imagine that she came back, she's trying to explain this whole thing, trying to convince Joseph that he, she hadn't cheated on him. He doesn't know the timeline she was away for three months. There's all kinds of boys wherever Elizabeth was. Like, anything could have happened. He doesn't buy it. He says, I need some time to think. He walks out. She cries. He wanders around the hills and prays and talks to his friends and his dad. And his... I said, what do I do? And at some point, he makes up his mind. I, I, can't, I can't do this. But it's late. And he's like, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. Let's go to bed now. And so he's restless. He's in bed. He's tossing and turning. I mean, he didn't sleep that night, did he? You know this. He didn't sleep. So he's rolling around. And somehow in a dream, in that twilight sort of halfway in sleep moment, there's an angel shows up in his dream, dream state. Says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What was he afraid of? What was he afraid of? Well, he's afraid he'll never be able to trust her again. He's afraid that she'd cheat on him again. He's afraid that he'll never be enough for her. He's afraid that he'll be made a fool of again. He's afraid his honor has been permanently lost. He's afraid his dreams will never be fulfilled. He's afraid he'll be viewed as a failure. He's afraid it's all lost. That's what he's afraid of. He says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The baby is from the Holy Spirit. It's miraculous. It's supernatural. And it's a boy. <laughs> this is the gender reveal party right now, okay? It's a boy. He will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, listen to me. Your part in this story isn't over. You will call him Jesus. You will name Mary's son Jesus. You will do it. 
Mary needs you now more than ever. And Jesus needs you more than ever. And notice how God's voice of truth puts his fears to rest. God's voice of truth puts fears to rest here. Of all the voices Joseph could have listened to in this moment, the voices of fear and judgment and suspicion and anger and bitterness and betrayal and condemnation and worry, Joseph chose to listen to the voice of truth, of reality, of the word of God, and it put his fears to rest. Friends, whose voice do you listen to? Like, really? Conception, intervention, realization. Verses 22 to 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Matthew, our narrator, zooms out just for a moment. And he steps back and he shows us how all of this, all of this, every bit of it, is bringing God's plan into reality, to realization. This is exactly what God has had in mind all along. 600 years before in Isaiah 7.14 when God gave these words through Isaiah the prophet. A virgin shall be conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So we have two names here. The name that God gave to uh, uh, Joseph, Jesus, Yeshua, which is his formal name, which means the Lord saves. And we have Emmanuel, his prophesied functional name, which means God with us. So both are his real names, and they're tied together. He is with us in order that he might save us, and he saves us by being with us, you see. So God's promises, here's the point, have come near in Jesus Christ. God's promises have come near in Jesus. What's happening in all this chaos and all this mess is the prophecies are being realized. The king is coming. Salvation is at hand. God is with us and he is here and he is near and he is close. And Joseph, Joseph, son of David, In all of your heartache, in all of the confusion, in all of the pain, in all of the mess, in all of the fears that grip your heart, your God is working even now for your good and for his glory. And from the pieces of your shattered dreams will come hope for all the world. Salvation lies in Mary's womb. Her son will set the world aright, and you, son of David, you will call him Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph, there's so much more going on than you can see. And this is how it always is, friends. In every given moment, God is doing 10,000 things, and we see three of them, maybe. 
determination. Number four, verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. I love this. It's so, there's, it's, there's no, fur, there's no, Fringe or, I don't know what I'm saying. No floors or extras. There's no, no, uh, no drama. There's no fancy. It's just he took her <laughs> and, you know, he, he did as the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. He didn't know her until she gave birth and he named him. He called him Jesus. I love it. He took Mary. He says, listen, I'm, I'll bring you into my home. This is the marriage part. But I'm not going to be with you until this baby's born. Because you and I both know this isn't mine. But then Joseph calls the baby Jesus. Do you see what's happening there? Do you realize what it means? This is the father's prerogative in this culture. To name the child. He is acting as father when he calls his name Jesus, Yeshua. He's acting as a father. Not only does Joseph take Mary as his wife and redeem that moment, he also takes Jesus as his son. And when Joseph names Jesus, Jesus, he is functionally adopting Jesus as his very own son and legal heir. And now, friends, the genealogy works. All of a sudden, it works. Jesus is the rightful heir to the throne of David, who has now been legally adopted and claimed as his very own, as Joseph calls Jesus Yeshua and names him as his own. He is the heir. He is the anointed one. He is the one who can rightfully step upon the throne of David and rule and reign forever and inherit the promises of old. And it's all because Joseph obeyed. It's because he obeyed. And just think of what this meant. As Joseph chooses to marry Mary, and take Jesus as his own son, what will everyone assume? That it's his. Mary and Joseph fooled around, and this baby is actually his. He will never shake that reputation. Joseph gave up his honor forever. He gave up his reputation forever. There's a point in John 14, 41, in John, I'm sorry, 8, 41, John 8, 41, where the Pharisees are talking to Jesus, and they say, we're not illegitimate children. They just stick. They'd heard the rumors. We're not Ill- illegitimate children. It's just sticking it to them. They, they knew. The rumors ran. The gossip ran. The, listen, Joseph never shook this. He gave up his reputation forever to do the right thing. This was a tough choice to make. It was costly. But Joseph knew, listen, he had to obey and leave all the rest to Jesus. Leave all the rest to God. That's what he had to do. And this was not the life he dreamed of. But it was the life that God had prepared for him to live. And he said yes to the life that is 
and let go of all the stuff he couldn't control. And as he surrendered, friends, he found peace, didn't he? He found peace because God's peace comes through surrender. It's the only way we get it. When I hold on to my dreams, my plans, my goals, my outcomes, everything going the way I want, do you know what the side effect of that is? Anxiety, stress, worry, franticness, turmoil. But when I surrender and let go and trust what I cannot control and give it over to God and say, not my will, but yours be done. Peace. This is always the way to peace. And not only did Joseph get peace on the inside as he let go and surrendered to God and was faithful and did what was right, peace was restored to Mary and Joseph's relationship. Do you see that? The very first thing Jesus saved was their marriage. He brought them back together. Peace and wholeness in their relationship. And then they gave birth to what? The prince of peace, who would then go and die on the cross in our place and for our sake to make us right with God, atoned with God, peace with God, and rise again that we might be with him forever. And then fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we learn to live in peace with one another and sends us out with the gospel of peace to proclaim to the world a reconciliation with God that Jesus made possible so that there might be, as the angel said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Do you see? And it all began with a couple on the brink of divorce. All this peace came through conflict. All this hope came through hopelessness. All this salvation came from brokenness. All of this redemption started with a lost cause, friends. And I want to just take one moment here as we kind of pull things together in the close to talk with those of you who are struggling with shattered dreams this Christmas. You're looking at a life that looks very different than the one you hoped for, than the one you planned on. You had your dreams, and this looks nothing like it. And you're wondering, how do I face it all? It's one of the things that makes Christmas hard. You have all these idealized songs and good feelings, and then you match it up with your real life, and you go, this doesn't feel right. And it's just this whiplash, isn't it? How are you going to face it all? Let me give you five takeaways. These are from Joseph, watching him, how he processed. I think they're helpful. Number one, look for God in the mess. Look for God in the mess. Friends, he's always there. He's always at work. He may be hard to see, but he's not far from you. God's best work always starts in the ashes. Always. And if your life feels like a mess, this is good news. That's his specialty. And he is near to the brokenhearted. 
Jesus is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and he is closer than you know. Our God is a God who climbs into the fire, into the storm, into the lion's den, into the dirt and grime for his people. Secondly, listen to God's voice. Listen for God's voice. He says, call to me and I will answer. Oh, you may not get an angelic dream. Those are sort of few and far between. But you have his word, don't you? You have his word. Don't you want to hear his voice? Open it, read it, meditate upon it. Absorb what you can from it. Search it. When life gets messy, friends, I find that I need God's word more than ever. Lean in. His vo- Listen, his voice is the only one who can ultimately calm the, the fears that are in your heart. And somehow you've got to get to the point where the, where the voice in your head and from your friends and from all the people that are telling you what to do, where his voice rises up and actually becomes louder than all the other voices that are trying to speak into you. It's the only way to get free. Listen to his voice. Number three. Remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. God is in the business, friends, of redeeming all creation. And not just in this moment where Jesus is born, but in every moment of every year for all time, including this one right here, right now. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things, good and bad, God is working for the good of those who love him, for our good and for his glory. It doesn't mean bad stuff doesn't happen. Bad stuff happens. But God is never off the job of redeeming and bringing redemption to this planet. And he's doing that even now, even though you can't see it. He is trustworthy and true. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And he's doing far more than you realize right now. Remember his promises. Remember his faithfulness. Remember he is Emmanuel, God with us. Number four, obey as far as God reveals. Obey as far as God reveals. Joseph doesn't get a master plan, does he? No. He just gets a few next steps. And that's how it always is. It's maddening. Joseph said, just take Mary and name him Jesus. That's your job. Take Mary, name him Jesus. But what about, what about nope. Take Mary, name him Jesus. But how will that, nope. Take Mary, <laughs> call him Jesus. That's So when you know what God has said, obey as far as you are told. It's it's like a pool of light. If you're in the dark and you have a, we have flashlights now, but say you had one of those old-fashioned lanterns. There's a ring of light, isn't there? You can see that far and no further. But you take the steps that you know. And as you know, the light grows and encompasses the next step. But obey as far as you have been shown. Trust and obey. Number five, rest in God's peace. Rest in God's peace. Trust him, friends, with the unknown. 
Let go of the outcomes you can't control. Surrender it all to him. Cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. Rest in him. Rest in the peace that passes all understanding that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Rest in Emmanuel, for your God is with you. Rest in Yeshua, the Lord who saves. Rest in the Prince of Peace, your comforter and friend. Rest. One of our kids has um, night terrors. You know what these are? It's like where they wake up, they look like they're awake, their eyes are open, they're running around the house, and they're, kind of, they're having a nightmare. Screaming, yelling, panic. But they're actually asleep. <laughs> Very weird, okay? One of our kids has this. And, um, and the only way to calm her down is if she wakes up, which takes a while, or if I just kind of grab her and hold her really, really close and just a nice comforting pressure, right? And just talk straight into her ear. It's okay. I got you. Daddy's got you. It's okay. I got you. I got you. It's okay. And if, if, if I can get there fast enough and hold her close enough, she would just relax in my arms and go right back to sleep. And she doesn't remember anything. She didn't even wake up. So I don't get any credit for this the next morning, okay? <laughs> but she just... And I'm not a great dad, but there's a little glimpse, I think, of the heart of Jesus there, isn't there? And this, it, this is your God. And this is what God's doing with Joseph. It's okay. It's okay. I got you. I got you. This is what he does with you. And it doesn't make it go away, whatever it is that's terrorizing you in the night. But it means he's with you in it. And if you... <laughs> You could just hold on and relax and rest. Stop flailing. Just rest in his arms. There's peace. God's peace, friends, comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of your God, who will never leave you, will never forsake you, and will hold you through the night. He's got us. It's going to be okay. It's hard, but redemption's coming. That's what Christmas is about. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father. This whole world is not as it was supposed to be. And it hurts, and we struggle. But you came into our mess, and you redeemed this broken world, and you've come near, and we're not alone. And thank you that Christmas means there's hope, 
Christmas means there's peace. Christmas means there's joy. Christmas means there's love. Because Christmas is about Christ. And so, Father, we look to him. And we thank you for who you are for us. Would you hold us even now? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, my name is Peggy. Um, and what you just said, Philip, was amazing because I had a child with night terrors. And I 